and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Hi there, everyone. I am Carolina Todd, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Level Up Engineering Podcast. This is another episode where I interview with an accomplished tech leader. Today, my guest is Mike Sievers, but before, before I hand it over to him, I will tell you a few words about who we are and what we do. This is an engineering podcast geared towards engineering leaders, so you can learn a lot about what you need to do to become the best possible engineering manager you can ever be. There are probably some links in the description. Please click them. And so you can sign up for our newsletter, which is the Level Up Engineering Podcast newsletter. Mike had been on the show before, and uh, we talked about self-managing teams, which was also pretty interesting to look at, to her here to learn from. So click on that if you would like to learn more about that. And um, here are a few words about Mike. He was CTO of Riot Games, and now he is VP of Development at Epic Games. And I will have him tell us a bit about that and about himself to begin with. Mike, the stage is yours. Thank you, Carolina. It's great to be on the show again. So I'm, I'm uh, currently at Epic Games. Um, I lead development for our online team. And online is essentially you know, the Epic Games store. If anybody's bought video games in the Epic Games store, that's uh, within online. Uh, Epic Online Services uh, and a lot of our core technologies like infrastructure, accounts, um, the data platform, and a few other things. So pretty fun group. Let's see what you know about me. I love video games, obviously. I uh, work for a video game company. Um, I'm really into cycling. Cycling is kind of my how I relax uh, these days. Mostly virtual cycling now that uh, we're in the pandemic still. And leadership, obviously. And uh, I do a number of side projects, mostly mentoring and coaching other leaders at the moment. I'm actually spending a pretty decent amount of time doing that uh, in other companies. And I just started working on a book uh, that is going to be on the topic that we're discussing today. So... How awesome. This is exciting news. So let me tell our listeners and watchers a few words about our topic today. We will be talking about topic that I don't think is that much discussed in our sector. It's transitioning from manager to director. So without further ado, let us lay down some basics for the topic. Um, what are some of the differences uh, between managing individual contributors and managing a team of managers who manage individual contributors? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question. And I actually think it's important to kind of use that as a definition. I've seen a lot of different definitions of director, especially in engineering teams. And I think that kind of the core definition that I think of um, is is exactly that. You, you're, you go from managing ICs to now managing other managers. And almost everything about that job is different, which is why it is such a challenging transition for a lot of people. Um, I know it was for me. So what is different? Um, when you're uh, a frontline engineering manager managing ICs, it's a good chance you're going to standups every day. You're probably doing code reviews. You, you might even be contributing code in a lot of cases. When you kind of step up to the next level and you start managing other managers, you have to remember that you have managers that are doing those things that you used to be doing, right? And so if you try to continue to do those things, at best, you might disempower the managers that you have, have working for them. At worst, you, you might cause a lot of disruption. Imagine being an engineer on the team and your director shows up to stand up, which in some cases may be fine, but in, in other contexts, you know, it, it can be a little jarring for folks. And, and so there's a lot of new responsibilities that come with being a director, like setting the vision or aligning the vision with the team, connecting the team to the outside world, solving a different type of problems for the team that are potentially roadblocks to, to productivity. And so there are so many things about the job that are different. And I think that's why actually I see a um, pretty high degree of failure rate for people making that transition. They either love it, they hate it. You know, a lot of people don't make that transition very successfully. 
Wow, what a statement to begin our conversation with. Okay, so let us talk a little bit more about uh, some of these misconceptions so that uh, our listeners can be on, on the same page with us. What do managers think? Or, for example, what did you think before you became a yeah. director? It's a, it's a great question. And I think there's really three areas or three misconceptions people have that kind of cause them to fail. But there's a fourth one that just kind of starts with the motivation to begin with, like wh why become a director in the first place. And I think for me, and this isn't true of everyone, this just was for me, I thought if I became a director, then I would have more control. I would be able to fix all the things that I saw around me that I thought were broken or could be better. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that when you take on a broader leadership role, while it is true you take on more responsibility, you actually often have less control because you are now part of the leadership in a bigger context and, and you can't you can't always just do whatever you want to do you, you need to there's a lot of relationships you need to manage there's a lot of a lot of alignment that you have to get when you're driving change and things like that and so uh, this is why i'm pretty passionate about this topic when i first took on a director role i did i did so many things wrong and i should tell that story this is probably 16 17 years ago at this point I was leading a team and um, it was comprised of four or five sub teams and we were going through an agile transformation at the time. So I was the director of this group. I had probably six or seven managers reporting to me and I think there was probably about 50 or 60 engineers on the team. So we're driving this agile transformation and I spent all of my time with my team. You know, I went to the standups and we were teaching them scrum and we were, uh, you know, introducing new tooling for how to manage the agile process. Um, it was changing the way we were doing our releases. And there was just so many things that I, but I, I was internally focused. I spent all my time focused on the engineering teams. And I thought I was actually pretty proud of, and still kind of am proud of what we were able to accomplish. But when it came time for performance reviews to come around, I actually got a really bad rating. It was actually probably the, one of the worst performance reviews I ever had in my career. And um, a lot of the feedback that I had gotten was that the people around me, my peers, the other directors in the organization didn't have a relationship with me. They didn't know what I was up to. All they saw was me making all this change happen on the engineering teams, but I hadn't connected with the leader of the project management group or the leader of the release management group or the leader with the QA group. And so I was continuing to kind of do what I did as a manager, which was focus inwardly. And I didn't have any relationships outwardly to help those people understand the change that we were trying to make and and it caused me to fail um, it was actually one of the one of the worst failures i i can think of back uh, if i look back at my career so so okay so you define failure as uh getting those performance reviews because it sounds like you made a lot of change within the team well, I did make a lot of change within the team, but that's why success as a director is not, it's not just about getting results. Like you, you can't get results at all costs, right? That's not, that's not okay. You have to get results and maintain your relationships and help. You're part of a, you, you kind of step into a new category of leadership, right? And your primary team isn't necessarily the, the people who report to you anymore, but your primary team is the, is, is the collective leadership team that you are now a part of. And so if you think of it that way, while my engineering teams were probably adopting this change, the rest of the organization had no idea what we were doing. And, and I had not done a good job of aligning that vision with all of the other elements of the company that, that I needed to be successful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What an interesting perspective that you are giving us. So let's unwrap that story a little bit if you don't mind sure, yeah, um what do you think or what is your recollection of what the kind of initiative was behind making you a director well what were you doing that made you the the best candidate for the director role i think in that context so this was, I took on that role as part of a job change. So I actually switched companies to step into that director role. And um, this was 
you know, back to motivations. My motivation at the time actually was not necessarily to enable others or to be the best leader I could be. My, you know, my motivation was, you know, I wanted the bigger title and I wanted to climb the ladder and I wanted to, you know, feel important. And I think, you know, that sounds maybe shocking for people to hear, but I honestly think that's why a lot of people do it. Um, they take on more leadership roles because, or, or more scope and responsibility, not necessarily because they want to, or they, they have the skills to, or they're ready for it. It's because they're kind of chasing their ego a little bit. And so um, anytime somebody I'm talking to wants to become a director, I always ask them why, like, what, you know, what is it about, you know, being a director? And you'll hear people say things like, you know, they want to seat at the table, they want to be a part of the decision making. And, and while those things are good, the real reason to want to be a director is because you believe in the power of leadership to unlock the full potential of your team and, and the organization, right? And I think that mindset is just a little bit more of the correct motivation. So to answer your question, I don't think I had the skills at the moment. I think that was a failed transition for me into a director role. And it took me probably three or four years to really figure out what success looked like there. Awesome. That was going to be my next question. So you had this first performance review and you felt like, okay, I could have done better. What should I do? Did you stay at the company? Did you switch companies? What were some of your strategies to improve the performance review from cycle to cycle? The first thing I did was somebody did me a favor. Actually, it was a, one of the senior directors that I worked with. They gave me some very hard feedback that I needed to hear. And they, they pointed out a lot of those things that I said, that my motivations were wrong and I hadn't built relationships and, and things like that. and. I asked them what they recommended and uh, he told me, he said, Mike, he said, I think you should go talk to all of your peers and all the other leaders that you work with, not your team, the, the, you know, and ask them for their honest feedback about you as a leader. And I did that. I did it over the course of a couple of weeks. It was probably two of the hardest weeks of my career because <laughs> I got to listen to all the reasons that, you know, people thought I wasn't doing a good job. And it was hard to hear, but it was also very transformative for me. I ended up leaving the company and I looked for the, the patterns and themes from what I had heard in all of those uh, interviews that I did with, with folks and, and all that feedback. And I, I poured myself into reading books and taking classes and filling a bunch of the gaps that I had. And obviously I didn't correct it overnight. I still made other mistakes, <laughs> you know, for, for several years after that, as I tried out new tools and learned new skills to, to be, to be effective as a director. All right. Thank you. So you have mentioned some of the things that are really important for, mm -hmm. for a successful director, but, um, can we kind of make a, make a list of sure. the necessary skills so that uh, anybody listening can sort of look at themselves or get feedback and yeah. check if they are ready. Yeah. I think if, if it's okay, I'm going to start from the negative. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about kind of the three areas where I think the, you know, I see the, the most failure and it kind of, and I have stories for each one of these. Um, uh, and, and then we can talk about what are the skills that you need to kind of make that transition. Does that, does that sound okay? All right. Um, sure. So there's really three things that I think I see a lot. One is, a failure to recognize that it's a new job, right? People don't stop doing what they did as a manager. So when you, when you take on a new job, you know, you should stop doing the old job and start doing the new job. <laughs> There's an excellent book uh, called the first 90 days, if nobody's ever read it, um, that talks about this very topic, which is if you're going to step into a new role, you got to stop doing the old role. This was the mistake I was making in that story. I was just telling you was I was still trying to act like a frontline manager when the job had changed, the expectations had changed. And so I needed to learn how to understand what was expected of me in the new context. The second area I see people fail a lot in is they fail to manage themselves. And you, you can't manage an organization unless you can manage yourself. One of the things that happens when you become a director is you suddenly have all these new stakeholders and all these new relationships that you have to build and you've also probably you know, doubled or tripled, or in some cases quadrupled your direct reports um, in your organization, or, or not direct reports, but indirect people that you're responsible for. And so your plate just became really full. And if you don't manage your time and your, and your energy and all of those other, other things, you can uh, run yourself ragged. A very good friend of mine became my boss one time. 
and uh, he was going through this transition. And, and we've we've talked about this quite a quite a bit since then. And I remember sending him an e- sending him an email um, because he was in this state, like he was just running around and he couldn't make time for me. He couldn't make time for the team, and you know he's just in meetings constantly never really seemed like he had his his house in order you know things under control it just kind of gave off this air of just being stressed out and worried and i sent him a really long email and i you know i told him i said i'm really worried about you i'm worried about you and and i'm worried about the impact that you could potentially have on the organization if you can't figure out how to manage your time, <laughs> basically. And through that and some other conversations, this person was obviously able to able to kind of turn that around and, and realize that they could control their calendar. Only you can hit accept or or deny on a, on a meeting invite. And it's hard to make those trade-offs sometimes, but a director who's running around with their hair on fire all the time doesn't exactly exude confidence, right? And and that's probably not the best the best situation to be in. So you've got to figure out how to get your time under control. And then the third thing is directors, they don't take on the leadership role. And what I mean by that is leaders, I believe, um, the, one of the primary jobs of a leader is to shape the world around you, right? And I see a lot of directors that fail to shape the world around them. So what does that look like? That looks like, people who are expecting other people to solve their problems for them. I'll tell another story here. I had someone that reported to me once and in the first four or five or six weeks of our relationship, you know, I'd ask this person, you know, how are things going? How's the team doing? And they would tell me things like, you know, the team isn't aligned around this thing, or I have this manager that's not doing the right thing over here, or the team messed this thing up over here. And this went on for four or five weeks, every, every week, you know, how's it going? Like, you know, and it, you just got the sense that the team was really unorganized and not delivering and kind of in bad shape. And I remember asking this person, you know, whose responsibility is it to fix these things? Right. And they had this outward perspective, like, like they weren't responsible for the team. And I, and we went through a, a number of kind of coaching conversations where, you know, I had to tell them that, if your team is in disarray and this manager's doing the wrong thing, or you know the team's misaligned around this thing over here, that's your responsibility. You're the leader. You have to solve those problems, right? And that's kind of what we expect of a director is to be able to kind of shape their organization and get it into a really healthy state and coach the managers underneath you if they need coaching and you know things like that. And so that's really one of the bigger areas. And that story is just an internally focused one. It gets worse when you start talking about kind of the world around the teams and, and pe- leaders that are unable to affect the change that they need to, to set the conditions to, of success for their team. Makes sense. My question is um, about the last role. So if you're a manager, you're already kind of hopefully making waves within the organization, or that's how I picture it. Mm -hmm. Even as a manager, you should be this buffer zone between your team and the rest of the company and help your team, you know, get aligned with Mm -hmm. the company values and all that stuff. And also not blame the team if they are not to be blamed. Um, Or if you haven't been able to tell them exactly what you want them to to do and why. But um, how is that different from a new director kind of failing to take on their leadership responsibilities? If I understand the question, I think it's because I think it's because of the second thing that I mentioned, you know, not being able to manage your time. Well, it takes time to set the culture on the team. It takes time to go problem solve health issues on the team. It takes time to coach your team. It takes time to connect with other people. And I think that first, you know, kind of now you're in this role and you've, you have all these new direct reports and a lot of new stakeholders and, and probably more context, more, more responsibility, maybe, maybe even in areas that you are not the subject matter expert in, you're going to have all of these demands on your time. And I think some leaders just get too busy and they don't prioritize the leading of their team, really. They, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're still focused on doing the work and don't get me wrong you know, getting results, I think is a very, very important measure of success for any leader. But 
the results are more than getting the work done. The results are, you know, building a healthy team, creating psychological safety, communicating well, connecting the vision and those kinds of things. Okay. Okay. So now that we have kind of established what to be watch, watching out for, how can our newly developed directors overcome these challenges? I think there's some really important skills to, to have as a director. And I think there's a lot of material out there that you'll hear about, you know, leadership is more important than management and, and things like that. And I, and, I, and I generally believe that's true. But I think to be a great director, you also have to have great management fundamentals. I think you have to know what good management looks like. And when I talk, when I say management, what I mean is hiring and firing, performance management, coaching, all of the things that the mechanics that go into um, teasing the best performance possible out of, out of individuals and teams. And the reason that's important is when you become the director, remember, you now have managers reporting to you and you need to be able to teach them. You need to be able to guide them on that journey. You need to be able to ment you need to be able to hold them accountable. And if so if you don't have really solid management fundamentals, you're not going to be very effective at coaching and and guiding and holding your teams accountable to great management fundamentals also. And that's where I think you'll see a lot of teams that are moving really fast or scaling really fast start to break down is just around fundamentals because um, they're not doing those things well. So I would recommend everybody, every leader of, of any level, you know, always be continuing to learn about and polish your management skills, how to set expectations, how to give feedback, how to coach, how to motivate, how to hire uh, and build great teams. So that's the first one is really just nailing the management fundamentals. Um, the other thing I think is delegation and coaching. Learn how to delegate because again, if you're taking on a director role and you're trying to do the job that you that your manager should be doing for them, you're going to disempower them. They're going to be frustrated that you're always involved. And so you have to learn the art of delegation and let people learn for themselves and potentially make mistakes. And, and, and that can be really uncomfortable when you're used to being the accountable manager, the idea of letting go a little bit and letting someone kind of maybe make mistakes, but, and then giving them the coaching and helping them learn from those experiences is, is an art. Um, so, you know, practicing that I think is important. The third thing is communication. I think leaders are always communicating whether you think you are or not. <laughs> You're communicating by the words you say, the questions you ask in one-on-one -on -one settings, in group settings, but you're also communicating by your behavior and by the things that people can observe about you. And when you're in that director role, you, you know, all managers, this is true of all managers, but I think it, the more scope and responsibility you take on, the bigger this becomes, you're kind of a cultural beacon. You're signaling to the organization and to your organization what the culture is like. And if you're, if you're not aware of what you're communicating and how you're communicating it, when you choose to say things and in what audience you choose to say those things, you can actually do a lot of damage. And so that's, that's something to think about and, and learn about is just the art of good communication, one-on-one um, -on -one in groups. And there's other forms of other forms of communication. And then the last thing that I think is just so critical is um, giving feedback. Giving feedback, I think, is one of the more powerful tools you have as a director in that role. We live in a, in a world of servant leadership, and I firmly believe in the, in the whole concept and spirit of servant leadership. But sometimes we take that so far that we forget that we're also responsible for giving hard feedback when it needs to be given, right? Servant leadership doesn't mean anything goes. Uh, servant leadership means being there to help the team be successful. And sometimes that means being direct. Sometimes that means giving hard feedback when it needs to be heard. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, I had a leader that um, was exhibiting a behavior that I thought was damaging to not only to them and their reputation, but also the organization. And so I had to give them some really hard feedback. And they obviously didn't like hearing that. And I didn't like doing it. I don't, you know, nobody, nobody wants to go, you know, give somebody some hard feedback, but I have a responsibility to the team and to the company and, you know, all of these things to make sure that we're setting the right culture, we're setting the right tone. And so when you observe those kind of things, you can't be shy 
about addressing them, right? And so uh, anybody's read Kim Scott's Radical Candor, you know, sometimes we can be too afraid to go give the hard feedback because, you know, we want to be nice, but we'll empathize people into really bad situations. So those are the four main things, really. Management fundamentals, delegation, communication, and giving great feedback. I love that. It also sounds like when you are in a director kind of role, people are always watching. When you're a manager, it's like, yeah, you're a manager, you have a team, whatever. But when you're a director, you made it sound like every interaction kind of counts. Yeah, it does. You can never know who's there and whether or not they know who you are, you are sort of this face of the company, no matter what. Yeah, and I think a lot of people draw these strange lines in their mind about who's company leadership and, and who's not, right? And, and, it, and everybody kind of draws that line differently. Some people, it, it starts at their manager. For some people, it doesn't start until you get to like the executive team. And one of the things that I, I, I notice in, in, in director, I firmly believe directors are part of the company leadership, right? So if, if you're a director, you're expected to understand what the company is doing and, and help communicate that and connect your team to that mission and vision and all of that kind of stuff. If you draw that line in the wrong place, like, so if let's say you're, you're a director and you don't think of yourself as company leadership, that can lead to all kinds of bad communication things where you can set the wrong tone because you're, you're not aligned with the overall kind of company culture and mission. All right. Or not all right, but uh, <laughs> let's move on. You, you already mentioned that uh, if you're thinking about uh, promoting someone to a director role, mm-hmm. you're going to ask them about why they're interested in the role. What are some of the things that you watch out for or some of the things that will make or break someone's promotion in your mind? So there's the why, the motivation. And, and typically I think it's, it's really because you, you want to, because you believe in the, in the, in the multiplicative power of, of leadership. That I think is really the best reason to, to want to get into, because you feel like you can unlock more potential and, and have a more uh, multiplicative effect. Um, if it's bigger title, bigger, you know, bigger paycheck, more power, or I, you know, I want a seat at the table, th- those tend to be, they're not necessarily bad things, but in and of themselves, they can lead to a lot of negative mindsets that will, that can cause problems. The other thing that I, that I really look for is, is their current team under control? Um, is it high performing? Are they delivering great results? Is this person someone who is helping solve problems, not just within their team, but, but, but around them as well? Because those are the kinds of things that directors will typically do is not just solve problems with their team, but solve problems for the company and, and, and not be afraid to pick up something that maybe needs attention, even if it's not in their, their direct area of responsibility. So a lot of those things that we just talked about, do they have good management fundamentals? You know, are, they, are they a good communicator? those kinds of things. I also, I try to take those transitions slowly. I think that's a mistake a lot of companies can make is they'll thrust people into those roles um, mm-hmm. without a lot of preparation. And so to the extent possible, and this isn't always possible, but if someone's thinking about a direct role, it's like, okay, well, let's find a more junior manager that you can just mentor kind of informally. And let's see how that goes, right? Let's uh, maybe expand your scope and give you one other manager or a lead to manage as opposed to suddenly thrusting you into, you know, here's four or five managers, <laughs> potentially with six, seven, eight, nine, you know, direct reports themselves and, you know, broader scope and context that that can be effective if, if you have somebody who's really high potential and all those other fundamentals are in place. But I think the transition should be like very carefully managed because failure at this transition can really set back a career for a long time. And I think, you know, I think leaders should take that seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you are leading and you are helping someone rise to the director role, what are some of the signs that you should watch out for? If we have some weepies or some other directors who are listening to us, how will you know if your new director is struggling or not? kind of on the right track mm-hmm. or, or if they are, if they are in need of some coaching or mentoring. Yeah. There's a lot of different signals, um, that, uh, to look for, but I tend to look for, um, are they enjoying it? 
this should be a, a positive career trans- transition that, that the person is excited about. And so sometimes you'll see, or I'll see people are like, you know, this isn't what I thought it was. And, and that's usually a sign to probe more like what about it isn't what you thought. And sometimes it's my impact is like, I can't determine what my impact is. It's hard for me to determine. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm in too many meetings and I just don't, you know, like the work that I'm doing, um, things like that. I do look for people that are kind of like the image is, you know, their hair on fire, right? They're, they're running around crazy. They just, you know, you can just like, you tell when somebody just doesn't seem like they're have a very stable existence. Right. And so that's somebody I, I, I tend to pull aside and ask, you know, Hey, how are things going? Are you doing okay? They're usually rushed or hurried in their communications, you know, things like that. Again, you know, it's, are you exuding confidence or are you, making people kind of worry about you. <laughs> and then the third thing that I tend to uh, look for is um, I'll do skip levels with new directors and just, you know, talk to their managers about how's it going? You know, are you getting what you need? How's the team doing? How's the team feel? Any feedback and, and things like that. And there's usually signals there about whether they're too disengaged or too engaged, you know, that's a balance, <laughs> um, you know, not micromanaging, but also not, you know, unavailable. What's the decision-making like? Are they making good decisions? Are they exercising good judgment? Things like that. So those are the big ones mm-hmm. that I can think of. Mm-hmm. And the other side of the same question, if you are a new director, I wonder when you told us about that story of you taking on your first director role, did you feel that something was off before the performance reviews that you got? Or how can one as a new director kind of um, realize about themselves? I did not. um, But that was because of a particular thing that I needed to work on, which was I did not have good relationships. I didn't have any I didn't have my own, you know, personal board of directors. If anybody's ever heard of that term, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have other engineering leaders that I could talk to about the challenges I was facing. I did not seek out feedback, um, and I think that is probably the number one. If I could, if I could give one tip, it's seek out feedback. Don't be afraid, especially when you're stepping into a new leadership role. And it doesn't matter what leadership role it is, but this is especially true, I think, for people making this transition. Find out all the people that are connected to you in your role, all your stakeholders, your peers, your, your, your leadership, your team, and sit down with them and ask them, what are your expectations of me? Do you have any concerns about you know me in this role? Like, what do you think's going well? What do you think's not going well? And I think a lot of people have a hard time giving the hard feedback. And so sometimes I encourage people to not take no for an answer. Like, you know, I need at least one piece of constructive criticism before I leave this conversation, right? Um, because we all have things that we need to improve. And if, if you're doing that, if you have a good mentor, someone who's, you know, kind of can help you navigate that and you're, and you're actively seeking out feedback that you should avoid any blind spots that are going to cause you to fail. And as long as you can adjust your behavior to what people tell you, you're going to do great. I love that. Thank you. Wow. And so people shouldn't be afraid of giving those constructive pieces of criticism because it is after all helping the entire organization. Yes. All right. So if there's a new director, you are now VP, so you are at least one level, but I am assuming a couple levels above them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any tips for for those executive leaders to help their directors? What are what are some of the things that um, people in positions of higher leadership can do to make it a successful team? Yeah, I think. Um... One is being aware that this is happening. I, I think a lot of, you know, this, it took me, it, it took me, I remember the day, I, I, I'll never forget, I'll never, I remember the exact day and conversation that we realized, this was when I was at Riot, that this was happening, that we had a lot of managers that were struggling to make a director transition. And so we had a, we had a conversation, uh, myself and the rest of the leadership team about what do we do about that? How do we help 
fix this, right? And so I think number one is, you know, if you're an executive and leading an engineering organization, you know, I think the, the number one is to just be aware that this is a challenge, right? And, and think about that. And in and and your HR team or, or you yourself might even have the data that would suggest that. Like look at director promotions, look at the performance afterwards and things like that. And this is especially true in the companies that are growing really fast. I think you'll find a lot of this. Um, the second thing is once you've identified the problem, I think is figure out what are the support systems that are going to work, right? For us, it meant sitting down and describing to all of the engineering leaders what we expected of our engineering leaders. And we developed a framework that was essentially, these are the seven things that we think all engineering leaders are accountable for, is the sign of great engineering leadership. But then we also described those seven things at the manager level, the senior manager level, the director level, the senior director, all the way up to my role as the CTO. And we did some training and we communicated that out to the organization so that people understood what the expectations were, right? Because a lot of, I think a lot of teams don't ever even really define what that looks like. And every company is gonna be different, but define what you expect of your directors so that they can understand what are the rules of the game. Because people don't like to play games they don't know the rules for. <laughs> and then the third thing is build the support systems in place. Like understand that this isn't easy and create a supportive environment where you can manage those transitions. And I would say that takes two flavors. One is mentorship and training and guidance and coaching. So find mentors for, for those people that are making that transition. Give them the opportunity to take training, find executive coaches for them, whatever, whatever, whatever works within the context of your company. But then the third thing is, is provide a safe exit for people who maybe made that transition either prematurely or they just don't want to do it, right? I think the worst thing to do is to force people down that path um, or, or they decide they want to go down that path and then there's not a safe way for them to exit that and go do something else if they're not the right fit for the, for the role with as little kind of damage to, to them and their career as possible. Because, you know, again, it is hard and a lot of people don't make the transition well, but they're still great contributors, right? Maybe they just, maybe it was premature and they should just be in a senior manager role. Or maybe they decided, you know what, engineering leadership isn't for me. I'd rather be a senior IC. And, and I think that's okay too, because keeping leaders in roles where they don't want to be usually has some bad consequences. Right. And it sounds like it would be damaging for the entirety of yeah. the company, not just for the person. Exactly. Okay. Could you tell us a story where you helped someone who just became a new director or when it was not a straight path for someone to kind of make this transition mm -hmm. and, and how um, they can be coached or helped or yeah. not thrust? So the story that comes to mind is someone that we put this person in a role and they were going to be responsible for a particular function. I can't give too many details or, you know, people might <laughs> figure out what this is about. So they're responsible for a particular function. And I remember early one-on-one -on -one conversations, the person was really struggling with this whole idea of uh, what I was talking about earlier about where the line, where they drew the line. You know, they viewed themselves as not part of the leadership as opposed to a part of leadership. And the particular challenge that was creating was they were waiting for the company to define their function. So this person would come to me and say, you know, I need the company to tell me what they expect from this particular job, right? Or this particular function at, at the company. And I was asking them to put together a plan and, you know, help, you know, you're the leader, you chart the course here. You know, you're the person who needs to come up with the vision. You're the person that needs to come up with the, the success criteria, all of that kind of stuff. And, and we just kept hitting this, this roadblock of, you know, I need the company to tell me what to do essentially. And I remember the breakthrough conversation. I asked this person, I said, imagine you're the CEO of the company do you think like you wake up on Tuesday morning and just while you're eating your Wheaties suddenly go, you know what, you know what I was thinking about last night? I need to go define this function for the company. Of all the things that you have on your mind, you're probably not thinking, you know, this person over here 
is one of like a thousand people that we hired to do a job. I need to go, I need to go provide some vision for them. And I said, or do you think if you define the problem, put together the vision, come up with a success criteria, and then went and presented it to the executive leadership, do you think they would maybe have some good feedback for you? And do you think that would be a way to kind of, do, and, and I just, I saw the light bulb go on. I literally watched him move on to the other side of the line. It's just the, the, the line moved in his head and he was like, oh, you're right. I'm part of the company leadership. This is why you put me in this role because it's up to me to define what success looks like. It's up to me to kind of shape the world around me. And I can't overemphasize this. This is one of the bigger challenges I see with leaders overall is waiting for all the conditions of the world to kind of fall into place to, to create success rather than realizing that they as leaders are empowered to go, you know, go create the conditions for success, go put together a proposal, go create the vision, go present it, go get alignment. Don't just sit and kind of wait because that is going to probably at a minimum, you're robbing yourself of the power you have as a leader to go affect change. So that's the one story that comes to mind there. Thank you for that story. Very inspiring. I was actually going to ask you about this. Uh, so it's a nice way of us to kind of get on the same page because as you were talking to us about the director being within the leadership and, and now they are being the face of the company, the first thing that came to my mind is that I personally have always thought about myself as being the face of the company mm -hmm. that I work for. Yeah. Because I understand that whenever I switch companies or whenever I take on a new venture, it is something that people will associate with me as a person. So in my mind, it always goes the other way around as well. So I will always a little speak for the company, mm -hmm. even if I say, you know, like, these are not the company views, I am a person who is hired there and this part of the team, yeah. no matter how small of a, of a role you have at the company, you are yeah. part of the, the building bricks of that company. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you have an yeah. externally facing role, right? Like what you do. Right, so, yeah. right, right. And with that said, could you share some tips if they come to your mind about because this was a great way of, of lighting the bulb in someone's mind. Mm -hmm. But even if they are not a director just yet, is it a trait that you look for in people or mm. is it something that you instill in the people? It is a trait I look for in people. And if it's not there, I try to instill it. <laughs> I hate to use a negative example, but I'll tell you where I see this the most. When a company does something or there's something about the particular environment that frustrates people, right? So let's say the company made a decision to take away free sodas. I'm just, or, or, or I don't know, something that kind of gets people a little frustrated and, and riled up. If you as a, a leader, a manager, or a director express your frustration openly in public forums or in front of your team or in front of... Like that's a perfect example of where you're not thinking of your role as a leader within the company to try and help be the voice of reason, the voice of calm. We used to have this saying, uh, calm is contagious, right? And so when, when everybody's getting angry and frustrated, if you as a manager are also getting angry and frustrated um, outwardly, in group settings, in Slack, in, you know, whatever, um, that's an example of where you're misunderstanding your role as a leader, if that makes sense. That's where I see it the most. There are other examples of that. And, and don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean you can't get frustrated. It doesn't mean you can't be angry, um, but you need to deal with those emotions in private, <laughs> probably with your boss or with your manager or with the, the company leadership until you can get to a place where you can represent it or disagree and commit, whatever the case may be. Um, but it's never okay, in my opinion, for a leader to be a part of the kind of the anger and the frustration and that kind of stuff in, a, in an outward fashion. Like that is the key difference, I think, between a great director and senior leader and someone who's still learning what it means to lead. Wow. Thank you so much. I am sure that people will want to 
get riled up because they will feel like they are more, more because it creates a sense of connection, right? Yes, yes, when you are yes. in a team and you are like, oh yeah, our free soda, we need our we need our soda back. Yeah. Um, it is kind of giving that sense of unity, mm-hmm. even though you are in a leadership position. Yeah. with with the team who is unhappy. And the best way to build that unity is to listen. Listen, ask questions, empathize, right? But what you can't do is also be like, you know what, you're right. <laughs> I'm angry too, right? Like, right. I, And I disagree with this right. decision, right? You're just sowing dissent and that's not okay for a leader to do. Thank you. Thank you. I am kind of at the end of my questions. So let me summarize a little bit because we have talked about so many things. We talked about what are the necessary conditions that a leader needs to have within themselves to be a good role model for everyone and to to lead. And some of the ones that really stuck with me were, were being the the voice of candor when it comes to feedback and uh, being the voice of the company when it comes to whatever it may be and kind of what you said in the end to be an active participant within your life at the company mm-hmm. not just uh, kind of like a victim of the circumstances yeah. and it also sounded or to me it sounded like a lot of proactive putting yourself out there is needed more so than it is needed when you are a manager, uh, for example. But you also need to kind of make the most of your managerial role so you can lean onto those skills and not have to, like when you're driving, you don't think about switching gears because you have made that kind of automotive in your mind and now you can look for the things in your surroundings uh, that you need your attention. And also, and this is kind of just happening in my head, I, it, the entire conversation just sounded like stepping into a director role is a lot of disengagement on the molecular level. So mm-hmm. maybe you are not getting the sort of details of what is going on and the things that are, are happening on the frontiers of the engineering teams, for example but you're getting a lot more information when it comes to what is the company vision, how we are going to make a difference, what is our vision for this particular team, how we are going to sort of align everything together. So in a sense, it's like a weird in between where you are getting more information, but on a lot bigger sort of um, platform for example, and you are still trying to get people to be on the same page with you, but it's a, it's a lot more nuanced and it's a lot less tangible. When you are a manager of individual contributors, you can say, you know, Kubernetes is not the best choice here or whatever. We are doing this in C sharp because, and what you have described is more like communications and people and sort of persuading everyone and 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 giving them reason to work with you yeah i generally agree with that one thing i should i do want to clarify though is and i do think it is important i don't want to give anybody the impression that you know especially as a director in an engineering organization you know it's very important to stay technical and it's very important to to understand what's happening on your team i think it's just for engineers who are you know were senior engineers and then became a manager and then became a director, it's very easy to spend too much time there and and then not do the other things that are also expected of a director. So it's it's additive. And as you said, you're probably farther away from the problems also. So you're, you're in a lot of cases, you're maybe not the best person to make those decisions anymore. You need you know, your senior uh, ICs and your managers, the other people that are closer to the problem to, to make those decisions. And that's what you have to figure out is like, how do you stay close enough that's not out of control, but not so far away that you don't know what's going on anymore. Thank you. Uh, thank you for clarifying that. So do you have anything else to add that we have not mentioned or we have not talked about? Yeah, the one thing I feel like I have to say is I think uh, some of your listeners could listen to this podcast and be like, why would I ever want to do that job? 
because <laughs> it sounds <laughs> it sounds terrible. And I think I just want to say it can be a very rewarding job. You know, somebody once told me, or I heard this. I don't, I don't even remember where I heard it, so I apologize. But they they said, you know, if you want to be a better manager, if you want to be a better leader, you have to be a better person. And that always like I that has stuck with me for years. And I think the journey to a, being a director and beyond, you know, being an executive is a journey of self-discovery. It's learning a lot about yourself and it's learning a lot about people and it's learning a lot about organizations and, and it's challenging as it is, it, it can be hard, but it's so rewarding um, on the, on the other side, when you, when you make that transition successfully and you get to see the impact that you can have on your teams and, and on a company and you get to coach other managers going through their transitions and you get to see that all that potential unlocked it is it is incredibly rewarding so i don't want your listeners to walk away from this thinking you know why would i want to do that uh, that sounds terrible I, I, it is worth the journey if you're up for it but don't expect it to be linear or easy thank you so much i love that you told us to become better people because i completely agree with you and i hope our listeners will take that away and start their own journey if they haven't yet although i'm sure if they have gotten this far to listen to this podcast they have already started <laughs> They're well on their way that's good all right so today we talked about transitioning from manager to director and we talked about the various aspects uh, through which you can um, get support and uh, make yourself better in it um, you have mentioned a book that might be coming. Uh, where can our listeners follow you and your work? The two places right now um, are Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm not terribly active on either platform at the moment because I um, I also just transitioned. I've been at been at Epic for about six months now. But uh, as I make more progress in the book, um, you know, I'll definitely keep LinkedIn and Twitter updated on other places that folks might be able to engage with some of the content. Awesomeness. Thank you so much, uh, dear listeners, watchers. Uh, today, my guest was Mike Sievers again. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. He is now VP of Development at Epic Games, and we talked about the transition from manager to director. And I am so glad you could join us. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much. This is the Level Up Engineering Podcast. I am Carolina Toth, and I definitely hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time. See you next time.